Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I am your host, Bill Sickens. Joining me, Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome to this week's show. Hello. Hello there. We've got a really cool guest this week. He's somebody that we've been trying to link up for a little while now. And the first time we were going to record, there was a blackout here. And the second time, there was some kind of a scheduling problem. So this one really was a third time is the charm. His name is Joseph M. Leonard. He's published a couple of books, and he's also a tech guy. So we got to talking about what he's gone through to deal with publishing his books and where he got the ideas and everything, and then also had a conversation about promotion and marketing and website technology and all the different things he's run into with that. There's a lot of aspects to these things, and you kind of have to figure it from end to end more than just the product you're doing, in his case, a book. But it's all the other stuff that kind of goes along with it. So we're going to dive into that a little bit a little later into the show. And after that, we've got some other really cool stuff for you. One big thing is to check out our new website. We've been talking it up, and it really is worth it, userfriendlyshow.com. Same domain, but a lot of new stuff out there. And you can go to get all of our catalog, back shows, all of that type of a thing, Tech Wednesday, flash briefings, submit your questions and your comments, social media. All of that is now there in a one-stop shop. And it's a great place to go check it out. I strongly encourage it, although I might be a little bit biased. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, what do we have in the news this week? Well, apparently Twitter to charge for two-factor authentication. Yeah, you know, whatever side of the Elon Musk running Twitter thing you fall on, you know, some stuff, I I can actually see the idea of charging for certain functions and features out there and that type of a thing from a business perspective, it makes sense. But I do have to say, Elon, what are you thinking with this? I think this is the first time that I really don't feel like um, the decision to do that. If you want your account to be secured, you now have to pay for Twitter Blue. And if you don't, you can't use two-factor authentication. (laughs) So I'm not quite sure what the deal is or what promoted that. It probably is a cost-cutting thing, which I know they're trying to do legitimately. But still, this seems like one area that maybe we should, you know, kind of leave that work for all. (laughs) Companies decide to keep four-day work week after finding it's better. Mm, Duh. I mean, mean, the Europeans have been doing this for a long time, right, Bill? Yeah, they have. And, and (laughs) you know, it's just a situation of uh, kind of logic. In the United States, we do work a lot more than a lot of other parts of the world, and that's statistically provable. The study on this actually came out of the UK. and where they're coming from with that. But I do know from my own standpoint, just working on both ends of the desk, so to speak, as an employee and as a manager over my career, that you do have higher efficiency if you have some time off. Mm -hmm. And if you're being expected to work, you know, a lot and well beyond what would be considered standard, even a 40-hour work week, you know, and that kind of a thing, you actually can find that if you manage things right, you'll have a higher efficiency, higher productivity, and happier people. So Mm -hmm. there is a lot of logic that goes behind this kind of a thing. The other thing, too, that plugs into this also is remote work. And a lot of places are wanting people to come back to a hybrid schedule where they're in the office a couple of days a week and at home a couple of days. And there's a lot of pushback from that. And I know from the company, you know, that we have a weird technology, beforehand, it was a lot more standard. And since COVID, everything is remote. And we're keeping it that way because it works just fine. In fact, it's been a little bit better in some ways not to have to deal with, you know, the other end of these things. Plus, 
we now have access to talent all over the country instead of just in the place where we are. So, it, you know, from that standpoint, it makes sense. More than 60 nations agree to address concerns over AI use in warfare. Yeah, and I can kind of understand this is a thing we've seen uh, AI go run amok in a lot of sci-fi movies and that kind of a thing. But we're actually getting to the point now where our technology is catching up to that, where you can have autonomous war devices that can go out into the field and do whatever they, quote, choose to do, you know. And a lot of that has to do with programming and some other things that could play into this, where you could end up with something that is really potentially very scary. Now, part of this is replacing human jobs and all of the stuff you have anytime you have machinery or robotics or any of the technology come in that could change where workers are. But the other side of it is is putting things in harm's way. Now, like if we look at some of this, China has a ship now that is completely AI run. There's no humans on it. It's a warship. Um, so, you know, you start looking at that kind of a thing where you're already seeing this in place. We're seeing this a lot with the drones and some of the stuff like that. So and I, I, I already see a question. I did a, I didn't know about the Chinese warship and it's like, well, how do we know that, um, what if, what if an accident happens and it's not part of the gray area that a human would go, Oh, Hey, that's not a problem. And the AI is not really programmed for gray area situations, and it just hauls off and shoots or destroys something. Is that yeah. what they're going going for? That is definitely one of the concerns. It absolutely it is. It's uh, you know, or something gets right back, or if they hack the system, that's another. Yeah. Thing, you know? Oh, yeah. And you have this armed warfare one. system at your disposal now, and you are able to control it, and it could do things it wasn't designed to do, or it just simply, like you said, something happens where it gets screwed up. It makes me think of the old Star Trek Voyager episode where there's this ship that's in the Delta Quadrant that's completely AI-driven. It's a warship, Cardassian warship, mm -hmm. and it doesn't believe that it's in the Delta Quadrant, so it starts attacking things, you know? Yeah, and so, there's uh, Nomad from um, the original series. The original series. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, th these type of things are actually very possible. And as our technology goes, and, you know, some people think we're at singularity, some think it's still coming up, whatever the reality of that is, uh, it doesn't matter because we're going to be there if we're not already. A first-generation iPhone sold for more than 100 times its original price. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I think a $1,000 iPhone's expensive. How about $63,356? No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it probably doesn't work. <laughs> so, the uh, owner bought the phone or got the phone somehow and didn't open the packaging, so it's new mint in box, which is why Oh my! It, uh, is worth so much. So at this point, it doesn't really matter if it works or not. It, it, oh. it probably wouldn't in some ways because the technology has changed for just the you know basis. Even if it is functional, uh, the battery almost certainly wouldn't be. But if it's functional, it may not be you know five G. It's certainly not going to be five G. So no. <laughs> yeah, four yeah, G. Mm. You know. Yeah. But the point of it is, is it's still very much a collectible. The original retail price of it was five hundred ninety nine dollars. Hmm. hmm. All right. Um, Blue Badge coming to Facebook and Instagram as Meta tests paid subscription services. So what exactly yeah, so, does that mean? Paid well, subscription. it's kind of so Twitter, you know, got a lot of heat for charging for the great blue checkmark. OK. And um, now part of that was the fact that the original way they were doing that was 
basically all you had to do was pay for it and you got a check mark. Um, so as, as far as any kind of authentication was concerned, uh, that was very um, sketchy, I think would be the word I'd use. Yeah, Since I call it crazy. <laughs> yeah, they've made it a little better. And now they have all kinds of different check marks too. I don't know. I've had a blue check mark. I still do. I don't pay for it. But in any event, um, what these are, are the accounts have been verified and it's something that there used to be this kind of mystical process that I was never quite able to figure out to get. Hmm. Um, you, you know, know we still don't have, have one as user friendly or something. Yeah. yeah we uh, still don't them. have one as user friendly, yeah. even though yeah. we've asked many times. <laughs> well, and it's, you go through the application process and we've talked about this before. It's instantly rejected every time we've applied for it. So there's uh-huh. not really been a review. Yeah. Um, and, and the other side of it is like you say, it's just, I, like I say, I think it's, Maybe some kind of witchcraft that's required to get yep. these. Probably. Or you pay money, which is the way it's going now. So Twitter did this. People are going for it. Uh, Twitter is 8 bucks a month. It's part of a service called Twitter Blue uh, that also removes a lot of the advertising and does some other things. And uh, like we were talking about earlier, also apparently gives you secure access to your account. Wow. But on Facebook and Instagram, they're looking at, I think, charging twelve ninety nine. They're testing it in two countries right now and want to roll it out in other places where it's basically the same kind of setup. You pay money every month and you do a validation process, I assume, but I haven't seen anything on that yet. And you get these paid subscription services. So in addition to the blue check mark, you also get access to live customer support and a few other things like that. So if you don't pay for that, you get the dead customer support? Yeah, I guess, you know, what do you get? Like a, a yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's a phone tree. <laughs> All right. With a little tickle, a new technology gives hope to stroke patients with paralysis. Yeah, we're seeing this, and this is a really cool application of new technology that's coming out as implants that can help with paralysis and quality of life issues that uh, are really being fixed. We talked earlier about the gentleman in Bend that had been paralyzed since 2009, got himself an exoskeleton, and some of these other things is now able to walk again. We're seeing this now with stroke patients and other medical problems out there where it's really starting to become. A thing in the mainstream that they can fix a lot of these problems and get people to be able to walk again and be able to function again, just as they did before they had their injury. And it's absolutely wonderful to see a quality of life enhancement. Absolutely. Got a great show for you this week. We'll be back after the break. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Check out our new website, userfriendlyshow.com. We've got everything out there for you, our archives, our social media. You can look anything up and you can send us what you want to hear. Joining us today is an amazing author, Joseph M. Leonard, honor, integrity, participation, patriotism. There we go. I can even say the word. Hi, welcome to the show. (laughs) I'm just going to leave it there. Hey, we all get tongue-tied at times. I was on the show just the other day, you know, similar thing, at where I was getting tongue-tied. The brain and the tongue weren't cooperating, you know, and I was like, blah, 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 blah. Oh, man. Like, hey, I, I, I'm an author. I write better than I speak, right? <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. The only problem is I'm supposed to be able to speak well, and I'll tell you, and I'd read it before. I just couldn't say the word. I'll tell you what. All that's going on in the world today, maybe there's more to that. But uh, anyway, 
So you have written some incredible books here, uh, Terror Strikes. And go ahead and tell us a little bit about that process and, and what it is and what you did. Yeah. Uh, mo- I've been writing my whole life. I, I'm, I'm 60 years old. I've been writing my, uh, you know, since early on because I, I got the creative gene uh, from my father, Ted Leonard Jr. and the Polka Kings is, or well, was his band, May He Rest in Peace, of course. <laughs> but you could still find their three vinyl albums out there still today to buy as well as of course some 45 rpms you know that's way back when everything was on vinyl <laughs> and but i got the creative dream from that side my dad's side of the family and yeah i dabbled in music and recorded music wrote recorded and all that too but you know those were the days the 70s the 80s that your only option for that to work was to send demos and get a record deal of some kind. You know, unlike today, anyone can record on their digital studio laptop, (laughs) upload to a site, and sell everything at 99 cents a pop without a record company. You know, and same is true with publishing today, which is why I wrote my second internationally published book, which we'll get into. But yeah, I've written many books. I only have two currently that are internationally available, though. And yeah, Terror Strikes Coming Soon to a City Near You was my first international book. And most of my writings actually come to me in dreams. And it did in 2006. But I had a beginning, I had a middle, I had an end. But I just knew something was missing. Pieces were missing. And I put it aside. Figuring, you know, six months, a year, two years, I'll finish it. Fifteen years later, (laughs) in 2021, the dream came back. I said, oh, okay, I get it. Right, now is the time. And, you know, like manna from heaven, those missing pages uh, just flowed through onto the page, filled themselves up, and it came out in 2022. Because that was the right time. Because people seem to think because of the Wuhan hysteria on their news 24-7, terrorism went away. It didn't. It hasn't. It's still happening. It is going to still occur. It's just that you're not hearing about it on your nightly news all the time. Uh, So, and I need to also add though, the important thing that, again, I can write better than I can talk. (laughs) Uh, It's not just about terrorism. Martin, my lead character, is a newspaper man who decides to write a book on terrorism. So that's the main story driver, the thread throughout. But it is about a lot of things. So I like to say it's a book about life over death. Hope over fear, you know, good over evil, those sorts of things. Values, positive values, our values, which is why they want to kill us. You know, all those sub themes, not just terrorism, but general crime, 
I'm not selling fear porn. I want you to live your life. I don't want you to be paranoid. I want you, however, to not be stupid, right? right I don't right. want you to live with reckless abandon, clueless to anything and everything going on around you. Like I say in the Naperville chapter, Teresa says she thought she was the mo- uh, more the mama bear she knew she needs to be for her young child, but it turns out she's more of an ostrich. And, you know, if an ostrich wanders onto the train track, hears the whistle, buries its head between the tracks, isn't going to stop it from being bowled over by the fact that it just doesn't see it and hear it coming. Right, right. No, I, I and I think that sounds amazing. Now, the the you know this is described, and reviewers have called this compelling, historically accurate, and utterly unique. You have that on your website, but it is also a fictional piece. So, how did that work out? Yeah, it's historical fiction. I wrote okay. it. I I like to call it faction, part fact, okay. part fiction. I like that it, term, faction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's because I mean the issue of historical ignorance is one of the sub-themes in and of itself. Our education system is so horrible, people don't know anything, and they feel great about the fact that they don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) They brag about it, I'll tell (laughs) you. So I had to deal in historical aspects, factual things to help, you know, lend credence to the fictional storyline and at the same time, present some things that are relevant that the reader may have forgotten or never knew in the first place, like the whole balloon incident of like mm-hmm. people are clueless to the fact that the Japanese attacked the mainland, killed Americans, destroyed American property using balloon bombs. During World oh yeah, no, War it's II. a very, a very yep. real thing. A lot I know, of I know. people don't know that. Those who read my book know that, and those yeah. who read my book then aren't laughing about this balloon. You know, yes, China has very sophisticated ICBMs. They don't need to strap a nuke to a balloon and send it over. North Korea, however. Yeah, there's a whole nother. I'll tell you, and it just it gets scary when you think about that. I just uh, just at the end of the day. All right, well, we're about to go to a break, and when we get back here, um, we're going to come back and talk about your other book on how to write and publish, and have a discussion about developing websites that I think could be kind of interesting. And what that'll be is you and I kind of talked about this before we started recording on which is better, a lot of information or a little. And we get questions in on that all the time. So, you know, it's definitely a valid concern and something that, uh, you know, what's better out there and what's the better way to do it? This is User Friendly 2.0, userfriendlyshow.com. We will be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. On with me is Joseph M. Leonard. We were just talking about his book, Terror Strikes. And now we're going to be talking about the other book that you've worked on and published called How to Write and Publish. 
Uh, so that's <laughs> so. Tell us a little bit. When did that get out, and what caused you to put that together? Uh, that came out in December of 2022. So that that's a fairly recent thing. And I found while I was promoting terror strikes coming soon to a city near you, people would then invariably say, "Will you come back and just discuss writing and publishing rather than that book?" specifically. And I said, of course, sure. <laughs> and after a dozen of those, the light bulb went on. Duh. Obviously, there's a market for that book because people keep asking me for that information. So, you know, of course, I went on Amazon because, you know, 80% of all books are sold at Amazon these days uh, and did a search. And sure enough, endless page upon page upon page about how to publish a book on Amazon. Nothing, nothing about all those things they were actually asking about. Well, what are the different kind of writing philosophies and processes? And, uh, you know, so from creation to writing to uh to the actual publishing options, because there's a myriad of them, post-publication promotion, reviews, all those things in one book at a reasonable price, rather than buying five different books. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I was looking through that a little bit too, and there's some good information in there. And, you know, you talk about promotion, and that kind of brings us into our next topic here, which is everything that's out there now pretty much needs a website. Uh, you know, no matter what it is, that's kind of the yellow pages or what the, for people that would even remember that at this day and age. And the thing of it is, is there are two schools of thought. And one of them is, is you put up something very brief. This is what it is and click here to buy it. And then there's the other end of that spectrum that is, let's give you as much information as possible. If you want to look at it, it's there kind of thing. Where do you fall on that? Yeah, exactly. And we were joking about this a bit before we even started. Uh, I kind of do both, but I believe, I mean, it's a fact. You can't see something that isn't there. Right. You you can ignore something that is there, but you can't go find something that doesn't exist. And I have kind of both. My Joseph M. Leonard, and it looks like Leonard, but it's Leonard, but with no O. JosephMLeonard.us is that basic billboard philosophy put together as my author page by my publisher. But TerrorStrikes.info, which is specifically for my book, has boatloads of stuff. Yeah, way more information. That's a good word. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Look at it if you want. Don't want to look at it? That's fine. Your choice. (laughs) Yeah, no, and I was noticing, yeah, you've got kind of both things going on here, which is kind of cool. And, you know, from that standpoint, too, when you're thinking about promotion, you also are thinking about you're an author. So the other question is, is you have to know some technology to put out a website or hire somebody to do it. And we were kind of diving into that a little bit and having a little bit of a rap session on WordPress, I know, earlier. Yeah, yeah. And I I see you use both here. It looks like you're on WordPress. And I think you said on Wix for your other site. What is your preference and and why? Well, I t- I'm a former IT guy, so I mean, I tell anybody if you're looking for a simple way to put up a website, Wix is really the way to go, in my opinion. It truly right. is 
WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. You click something, you plop it, you drag it, you add text, you insert a picture or a video. It's simple. WordPress is kind of clunky. Originally, my author site was put up by my publisher, and the person there works in WordPress, so that's how it got built. I now, of course, have to fumble with it to maintain it. (laughs) I had had created my book site, TerrorStrikes.info, using Wix uh, before the book was ever published. (laughs) Okay, so that was the history of it. So you you chose that, and then they did the other one because they do the other one, sounds like. Yeah, they went with what they're familiar with, and of course, I went with what's simplest. You know, I go all the way back to the early days since before the internet was even built. I used to hand build the website HTML code. Oh, uh, I remember at a time. You know, I remember. I remember those days. I'll tell you. Well, listen. Thanks for joining us. And TerrorStrikes.info is the website. JosephMLeonard.us is the other website. We're going to put that out on our social media at One User Friendly. We'll be back up through the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. A listener question that came in this week is, what is TEMU? T-E-M-U. And is this something real? And Gretchen, I know you looked into this a little bit too. And I think you said this was going to be a competitor to Amazon. Yeah, it kind of looked like it. And I was just curious. And so I clicked on the thing just to see what would happen. And then I saw this really, really cute um, uh, kitty plush. Okay. Right. And it was for a good price, and I thought it was cute. So I thought, okay, I could always try this out and see if it's, you know, garbage. So I clicked on it, and then all of a sudden, it says, well, we'll click on this to get a chance to win a gift card. Okay, I'll do that. So I did that, and then it wanted me to download an app and all this other stuff, and it seemed like I'm being trapped. It, they're, 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 they're trying to steal information from me or force me into doing something weird. So then I went to another website and then I decided, uh, I don't think I'm going to do this. And maybe this is a good thing for Bill to talk about. Right. Oh, there you are. And, <laughs> so I didn't get the cute plush kitty that looks like so, our cat. Timu hmm. is a legitimate site, by the way. Uh, there's a lot of them out there that are scams. So, scam, so you do want to be careful, but it is a legitimate shopping site. It's a competitor to Amazon, I'm not quite sure it's there yet, even though they might claim that. Yeah. It's a North American subsidiary of a company uh called PDD Holdings that's based in China. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And um so that's what they are. They do have an app, like you say, you can also order through their website just through your browser. So that'll work as but well. You can't get the coupon thing. You have to use the app. You have to use the I didn't mm. go that far into it, but uh yeah. It is, uh, you know, so from that standpoint, you're, you're, I think you're safe to shop on it. I haven't tried it, but it does seem to be uh, a real thing. Now, not again, I've run into a lot of stores that look like stores that aren't legitimate. So it is very valid to be skeptical of something like this, especially when it's brand new. And I'm sure they're running into some concerns with people. They're starting to do a little bit more of a marketing push. The other thing that's very interesting is I look at their homepage and the way that they're marketing themselves is. 
they've got all this stuff that this collection starts at 29 cents. Um, and that collection starts at 69 cents, which is a little odd, but, uh, you know, really you're all the stuff that you saw was in cents. Yeah. On the, I'm just looking at the front page. I'm looking at it right now as we're recording and they have other stuff too. That's more than cents. So did you see uh, the, did you see the black kitty? I don't see a black kitty, but okay. So why did it show a cute plush black kitty on my computer Mm -hmm. and not on yours? Well, maybe it has an AI that read your mind and you'd like to look at a cute little black plushy kitty. (laughs) Probably not, uh, but uh, <laughs> but it could be spying on my computer. Maybe <laughs> you know anything is possible. But I, I think in this particular situation, it's something I think I will try checking this out just to see what it is, okay. and um, you know, see if maybe uh, it would not be a bad thing for Amazon to have some competition. So if it's real, hey, you know, yeah, uh, more power to them. Cool. So all right, this week's Tech Wednesday, we talked about internet service providers. And got some listener questions coming in on that because there's a lot of different options out there now, and it might be time to rethink how you're getting to the internet. So back when all of this started, you had a dial-up connection. I remember those days. You had a phone line and a modem, and the connection was slow, and you had services like America Online and other stuff and bulletin boards, and uh, usually you were kind of uh, in a bit of a, a box where you could sort of get out to the internet from some of these services, but a lot of it was their own stuff. And it started to evolve from there. The World Wide Web, as we know, it was invented in 1991. And as these things built out, we got higher need for connection, data transfer, all that kind of stuff. So they started with all the always-on cable modems and DSL came out of that. And everything since then, for the most part, has kind of been built on top of those type of technologies. We still definitely have cable modems, although... Now, instead of 128K, it's one gigabit speeds, you know, so we're definitely seeing that a lot faster. DSL does exist in certain capacities, and then there's fiber optic connections. One interesting one is Google Fiber has come back onto the scene. They were dormant for a while. This was something that was going for a while to get fiber to everybody's houses that was going to be at that time one gigabit and very fast and would have been. And it kind of, I don't think they ever did away with it completely. It just wasn't something that was on the front of promotion or anything. Now all of a sudden it's back with five gigabit speeds and they're looking for eight gigabit speeds in the near future. So, you know, that's Hmm. going from there. But the big change here, and the one thing to think about is the fact that we don't have to necessarily get internet on a wired connection anymore. There's a lot of services out there now that allow you to do it wireless. 5G for one thing, if you can get a good provider, you can get decent speeds. And 5G is not just a phone thing. I know okay. it's used on the phones, but the original idea of that, and it's still the idea of that, is that it can be used for other services like replacing a terrestrial internet connection. You put the wireless device in your house instead of the cable modem or DSL box or fiber box or whatever, and it works the same way. You just don't have to be plugged into anything. Hmm. And the speed capability is there. Whether or not it's provided in a lot of places is a whole nother question. Spoiler alert, it isn't yet, but <laughs> the capability is there. Then you have satellite services, and we've had satellite internet for a long time, but the last time I used it before the current iteration, it was not something fun. No. And now it's low latency. Services like Starlink and some of these others allow you to get online with a satellite dish, and they even have stuff where you can drive around and everything will still work for you just fine and all of that, and it's completely wireless. So if you're traveling in an RV, something like that, that might be a good thing 
for you to use that uh, would keep you going at high speed without the without the need for that. Other thing in the tech news is the Section 230. This is being argued before the Supreme Court this week. We'll see what the decision is that comes out of this. And what this is, is a thing where internet websites like Facebook and Twitter, Section 230 says that they're not responsible for the content that users put on them. So in other words, they can't be sued if you put up a lie or something of that nature. And this is being challenged in court. And if this changes, it could potentially create liability for the website operators themselves. Hmm. So are they a news site or not? These type of things, these are some of the issues that are being reviewed. I don't think we're going to get a decision right away. We might, but I don't think we're going to see a decision right away. But when we do, this is the potential to really change the internet landscape, good, bad, or otherwise. It could change the status quo from what we've been doing for a long time. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Interesting show this week. A lot of tech stuff, and uh, there's a lot of things to talk about. Although publishing a book, I think, kind of qualifies as technology, pop culture, and a number of other things. So you know, there's that, a lot that's of work. If his book that. is successful, yeah, and from what I'm understanding, it is. So that's you know, good. hey, well, it's awesome. good to see. It's good to see. So on the pop culture front, this last week was Fan Expo Portland. And this is a Comic-Con that took over for Wizard World, which was a great show for many years. We've been to that and enjoyed it a lot. And, you know, a lot of it's, it's seeing convention center, all that kind of stuff. The footprint was definitely bigger. These type of shows, you basically go primarily, one of the biggest things is shopping. And mm. that seems to be probably fundamentally the biggest. Then you have the cosplay. Uh, here you had gaming. You have a number of other different things, the panels. And they had a lot of famous people there, too. That was one cool. thing I noticed. That list was long and proud, and basically, uh, you know, it was just it was kind of cool to see. So it was well attended, awesome. and Good. I think for the first time in Portland, it was kind of nice to see that as being part of the thing. I look forward to doing this in costume, hopefully next year. And uh, I don't know; it's just a lot of fun. It's nice to be able to unplug and kind of go see things that are very unique. One of the things that I like about Comic Cons is the artists. And you mm -hmm. find unique things that you're not going to find anywhere else. Yeah. And a lot of times you don't find them again either. So, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. Like that Wookiee picture you didn't buy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but at the time, it was a monetary thing, too. It was quite expensive. And uh, yeah, but I would have loved it. I've never been able to find it again. I found other Wookiee pictures, but not that. And that's one example of things that can be unique one-offs and that type of a thing. And uh, but again, it was kind of fun to see. and it's. Good to see these kind of shows coming back. So are you guys looking forward to your next uh, comic convention? Oh, yeah. 1,000%. Cool, cool. <laughs> I think we're going to try to go to a Silicon this year. Since last year we went to Seattle, we had to make a decision because they're right next to each other. And I'm noticing some of the marketing material coming out for that now. So uh, that would be a fun one. That one is in San Jose. Uh, that is short for the Silicon Valley Comic Con, which is what it used to be when it was run by Apple and or Steve Wozniak, actually, to be correct on that. And they've updated the show. I have not seen that one since it's changed. No, no. Between no, COVID I, and everything I, I like else, I just it. haven't gotten there. So, yeah. 
that it was a really long drive in the first place, or you know, really expensive flight. So, yeah, getting down there, all, all the rest of that. Right now, flying is kind of like I don't know. The only way I think I would be wanting to fly is if I could get a personal jetpack and just had my own thing, didn't have to deal with airlines, airports, or anything else. In fact, I think that sounds like a really good idea. So, well, anyway. sign me up. <laughs> yes, yeah, me there too. you go. <laughs> all right. Until next week, this is User Friendly Two Point keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2023, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. Views expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting and technology provided by wearetechnology.com. Listen at theanswerportland.com, userfriendlyshow.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts.